to feel not. Episode 153. The one where it seems to me we live our lives like a candle in the wind. The Feel Knots Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theo Knotheads. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. Together we are the, the Theo Knots. How you doing, David? Much better. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. It's been. Good. It's it's like you know. Normally, when we do it this late, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Yeah, we're like all nuts tonight's very well, chill. It's really weird. I'm like just quiet, mm. lackadaisical. In mm. one of them days. Yeah, Kevin comes in and he's like, "Y'all are awful quiet." <laughs> Yeah, I guess we are. It's yeah. been one of those. He was like, it's been a long time since I've been the least depressed guy in the room. <laughs> I don't know if you'd call it, you know, depression. But <laughs> There's a Maybe. spirit in here, a spirit of oppression. It's been pushing us down. Maybe it's just long day. I guess so. I don't know. Well, I mean, you've been to <clears throat> Dallas today and back, and did mm-hmm. did uh, we both did our own let our own life groups and yeah, and here we are. Yeah, hitting it at one uh, study down nine o'clock. One, one study one to, to go. go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the life of a Theonaut podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, other than that, you doing all right? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Just blowing and going, going Ge- pretty good. Gearing up for the most wonderful time of the year. Oh, it's the most <laughs> wonderful time. <laughs> it's so like, um, man. There is so much going on. Yeah, like this weekend, like for sure, we've got things going on. Like, right. okay, so Friday is um, your. The yeah, my my biggest client. I always get invited to their Christmas party, mm-hmm. and so it's their it's their Christmas party, which is going to be at Stampede sixty six <laughs> in uh, downtown Dallas. What is Stampede sixty six? It is like it is like one of these, um, you know. Hey, we're Texas, but we're rich. Yeah, places. We're you know, rich Texas. Yeah, it's like uh, all the furniture is like leather and. Uh, cowhide yeah you know and all this and and uh it's like uh sixty dollars a plate plus you know like that's the cheapest you're gonna get out of that place awesome and uh, it's gonna be steak i'm sure oh yeah um but anyway it'll be it'll be good i mean it's like i said it's kind of escapism to get out of the house actually put on you know some fancy clothes some yeah act like um something yeah (laughs) Definitely. No, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Somebody other than what you are. I yeah, guess. yeah. Put on my hipster outfit. You know, there you gonna go. go with the vest again. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna pull that off. So. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> he wore a vest. Oh, it's not the same type of like <laughs> like a leopard. <laughs> That's what I'd do with a white t-shirt underneath, like a, a leopard print vest in black. Slacks. Yeah, I'm just gonna go as Ferris Bueller. <laughs> you should totally yeah, do that. Are. I'll go as Cameron. I'll put on a hockey jersey <laughs> and just follow you around. Yeah. And be you like, know, your dad got a Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. California 260 or whatever it was. <laughs> That's one of my all-time favorite vehicles, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, I love that vehicle. He wrecks it. I know it's so sad. <laughs> like it's a funny scene, but I'm like, no, <laughs> they wrecked that classic yeah. Ferrari. But uh, how did we get on Ferris Bueller? I don't know. <laughs> it's one of those nights. One of those crazy nights. So how was your day, man? Ah, uh, whatever. Yeah? Yeah. You, you done? I'm done. That's all that matters. I got T minus seven school days and counting. I have a countdown yeah. on my on my board that's how nice how much the kids know how much i want to be gone <laughs> so you guys have um have a winter break yeah two uh, two and a half weeks oh see that's good mm-hmm. 
we we don't really have a winter break. We, at least my clients don't. Yeah. But um, but it is a very slow time of the year, right? For their industry, the mortgage industry. So, uh, like right now, it's been like this week has been really pretty chill. Yeah. Which is not bad. I've had to have a couple of conference calls. Or, well, it's the beginning of the month. Usually by the end of the month, it gets heated, right? Yeah. I mean, generally, that's the flow of most months. Mm-hmm. But uh, w- with it being the holiday season, Everybody's- people will really, even if they are buying houses, they're not closing on their home at Christmas. Right. I mean, it's just not. Who wants to move out at Christmas? Right. So it's usually a pretty, it's pretty chill time, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, we got all these other things keeping us busy. Okay, right. so yeah, I got I got sidetracked. So <laughs> that's how we got on Ferris Bueller. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're 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 fr- Friday night. I got this this uh, Ritzy party th- thing to go to. Yeah. Uh, Saturday morning, uh, all of us shepherds at our at the church are doing a breakfast in the morning. So you come to that, right? Oh yeah, I forgot. About that. <laughs> oh, we'll see. <laughs> So anyway, might be I'm, I'm going to be cooking breakfast, dude. I know. Like, this is going to be me. We'll see. Like, I, I even told Melanie, I was like, okay, it's a campfire breakfast. So I'm doing it outside over the open fire. Uh-huh. And I told Melanie, it was like, you can check out. Like, show up, put on your pajamas and wrap up in a towel. I mean, a towel. A, <laughs> a blanket. Yeah. And just, you know, come have breakfast. So that's the current plan. Right. So um, that I'll enjoy it, even if nobody shows up. I'll have me some flapjacks and some <laughs> eggs and bacon over the open Fire. flame. Yeah, it's, it's actually supposed to be kind of chill. Yeah, that morning too. Right. So, but so anyway, we're doing. I'm I'm doing that. Uh huh. Saturday morning, Saturday evening, we have our white elephant gift exchange. exchange. Uh-huh. Um, and then we were going to be part of your youth party yes. on, but that got re- rearranged, which I think is. Dinner. Yeah, which I think is pretty good for it gave us kind of a break. Right. But uh so yeah, they have this progressive dinner where they go around from one house to the other. Yep, Sunday night and then finished off with uh ping pong and hanging out and goofing off and white elephant gift again. Yeah. Uh on Sunday night. So that's what we're doing. Yeah, so it's a busy weekend, man. It is. And it's not even Christmas yet. It's not. So <laughs> well. So Anyhow, okay, well, we want to jump into James. Yeah, let's it's not, see this. It's not that big of a um, chapter Chapter this time. So. No, but it's very, uh, it, this one's the most disjointed chapter out of all of them. Oh, well, let's talk about that. Okay. Well, I should say, it's it's the most... It's the most seemingly disjointed chapter. Yeah, but it's I was not. I really say, I think it's right in line disjointed. with everything else that we're that, exactly <laughs> that James is trying to say. So, so should so, we? So Jeremiah, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among, among you? Okay, so let's go back a little bit and understand exactly what he's talking about when he goes through <laughs> the first verses. Okay, so first chapter talks about dealing with. The struggles of being a Christian in first century Palestine where... Um, <clears throat> where things just suck. Yeah, things just suck. And then he moves into the second chapter. Be joyful. Which has been, yeah, be joyful mm-hmm. during trials and tribulations. Don't confuse tribulation with temptation. Yeah. Stop it. Stop it. And then look at... Chapter your, two. Look at yourself. Be a legalist. That's right. <laughs> no. Look at yourself under the understanding of the law of liberty. Yes. See yourself as a follower of Jesus, not as going back to the the old way, because in chapter two, he starts hitting hard on really what the main problem is in the church, which is hypocrisy, self-righteousness. Yes. Hypocrisy and self-righteousness, looking at other people as less than yourself. Religion as usually defined. Right. And basically treating other people differently Mm -hmm. uh, based on their status, quote unquote. Right. And so he he talks about that. Then he gives this whole idea about faith without works is dead, right? Which basically is still slapping the the hypocrites. Yes, that's that's what he's been doing. He's talking yeah. about hypocrisy and the fact that they're saying they're followers of Christ and yet they're judging each other. And he's yep. like, "Stop it! They're not actually doing work. They're just talking about it. Exactly. It's just like all religion, but it's no real actual uh, practice, right?" 
jumps into James 3, Taming the Tongue, talking about... Don't be a bunch of teachers, because there's a big responsibility that goes with that. That's right. It's not about esteem. Yes. It's not about being great in the eyes of, of your congregation. Right. And he's still, I mean, he's still railing, basically, on the fact that these guys are judging each other and treating each other mm-hmm. wrongly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that that's, you know, it should be no surprise then that James 4 starts the way it way it does. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. should we read the first couple ch- verses there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's read it. Okay. Uh, verse 1, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. (laughs) You adulterous people. (laughs) Okay, so what's he talking about here? So, well, uh, obviously this goes back to the problem that has been addressed all the way through this chapter or this letter, right? Which is thinking that you have it together and someone else doesn't. Like his very first question: What causes quarrels? So this, what does this imply? That they're quarreling, right? That there's division. That right. there is that there's dissension, yeah, among the troops, you know, or whatever. There's things that aren't jiving, right, in the congregation. What causes these fights? What what exactly is your issue? Um, and it really comes back to um, where he says, is it not this? Your passions are at war within you. Mm. So what's he talking about there, your passions? Well, let's go back to the root of all sin, which is selfishness or, or pride, right? Right. So what he means when he's talking about your passions is literally the pride that's that's inside you. What do you want? So exactly. And and what was happening was what happens today. We have different classes, right? Mm-hmm. So we have some people who we perceive as up here and some people who are down here. Yeah. And here you are and you're maybe in the middle or down and you're looking at the people up there and what are you trying to do? Position yourself. Position yourself yeah. to where they're at. Tear or, that person down so that you can be perceived <laughs> exactly. as the greater of, of the two. Because you want more. You want more status. You want mm-hmm. more power. You want more privilege. You want people to look at you and go, how how holy is that guy? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. and so these are the passions that are within you. And it's what causes the fights. Because if we all viewed each other as equal at the foot of the cross and realized that we all are sinners. Beggars. Yeah. At, at, yeah, beggars at the doorstep of God and realized that, you know what? <clears throat> In Christ, we have everything we need. Yeah. Then what what would we fight for? And, you know, verse 2 says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. Now, I, I don't think he's talking about actually pulling out the knife and sticking it in people. Nope. Not physically. But what he's saying is you're tearing one another up. You're tearing one another down. You're attacking one another because you don't have the desires that, that, you, should that, have. that you want. Like, yeah. like, so you have this desire to be better yeah. than the other guy. And because you don't have that yet, you're going to murder that guy yeah. in some way. And it may be in your heart, just like Jesus says, Matthew. Or in your words. Five, or, yeah, in yeah. your words. Uh, you know, you hate that person. Mm-hmm. So you treat them wrongly. So you murder them. And so, um, look, and so, yeah, it talks about covetousness. Right. That's what, that's what drives this, right? That guy has got a little bit more esteem than I have. So yeah. I have to say something to tear that guy down a little bit. Right, and make myself look a bit better. Mm-hmm. And by the way, what we're deci- describing here, I mean, it happens all the time, especially with preacher boys. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if we look at this, uh, you know, it, it's it's all it's all a, a scale here. So um, go look at the latest Facebook theological debates. Oh, man. And watch what James is talking about here mm-hmm. in action. Yeah. What he's doing, what we're doing is murdering each other so that we can get the better esteem or the better position. Right. Which is sad. So it says you covet and you can't obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have... Because you do not ask. Well, that's interesting. 
Well, I think that that if we go back to what it is that they're desiring, mm-hmm. that has a little bit something to do with here. So, okay, so everyone wants to be the wisest and the most knowledgeable, and so um, that's one of the things that apparently they're not asking about because they think they can get it on their own, right? Like that's what makes you a hypocrite. Well, yeah. So Jesus says. Ask and it will be given to you. Yeah. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks has, right? Right. And that's a that's a direct, that's exactly what James is hearkening to here, mm-hmm. I think. Whatever he's saying, hey, listen, if you really want the esteem or you really want the, the power, why aren't you asking God? Well, and then he answers that. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Yes. So what is the purpose behind what you want? <clears throat> well, let's let's go back a little bit to what Jesus is saying whenever he says those things. He says, uh, when he says, ask and you shall receive, mm-hmm. whenever he says things like, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. <laughs> And we take that to say, in Jesus' name, amen. Right. So as long as I tag in Jesus' name, amen, at the end of my prayer where I'm asking for all this wealth and glory and... I'll get my, you know, my G6. Yeah. Right? (laughs) when, When, in essence, what Jesus is saying in that is, if you ask for things for me, that's what he's saying. If you will ask for things for me... In my in my name, basically saying that's what I would ask for. So you're asking for it for me, right? So he's like, if you will do that, God will bless you with it, right? Because it's about me and you're glorifying me. Yeah, but if you're asking for yourself to try and glorify yourself, then that's exactly what James is saying here. You you desire and do not have, or sorry, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. To spend it on your own passions. Right. And again, he's pointing out the root issue there. Their mm. passions, their pride. The reason that they're they're failing and quarreling and doing all this is because of their own pride. And, you know, uh, God is for his kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Right? For the furtherance of his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so if we were sincere in, in the truth that what we desire, if our desires were aligned with his desires, then absolutely our ministries would be booming for his glory. Right. Maybe not in the way that we think they should be, but in some way they will be booming for his glory. And the truth is we need to be faithful to ask rightly. (laughs) And so many times we're not. We focus on our own selfish ambition, which has been James's biggest swan song in this whole, uh, whole book, is that, we're out for ourselves mm. and not out for God's glory. Yeah, so that is like the um and that that is like one of the things that that comes up all throughout scripture. Right. Like we aren't focused on God's glory. Like that's the whole point of all of this stuff. And but men tend to make it about themselves. Right. Which is what he's trying to address through this whole book. Like the whole book right. is about the reason why suffering sucks so bad for you is because it's all about you. Yeah. Like if you would focus on Jesus and other people, like if you would focus on um, on all that stuff instead of what you're focusing on, you would be happy to suffer because there's a cause, there's a reasoning, there is something bigger than yourself that you're looking at. Exactly. So um, I think it's funny here that um, he correlates this like you're not godly. Like that's where he's going. Right. He's like you want to say that you're godly, but in doing so, you're being very ungodly. And whenever he says you adulterous people, now he's not talking about adultery per se, He's talking about the fact that they're loving the world. They're loving themselves. They're loving esteem and what society can give them more than they're loving God. Right. 
And that makes them adulterous because they are God's bride, right. not the world's bride, not this this uh, not your constituents' bride. You're God's. Yeah. And so that's why he says, you adulterous people, you do not know, or do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Mm. Some people will read this and think James is changing gears. Mm -hmm. Like he says, like he's first addressing prayer because they're asking wrongly, and now he's addressing their worldliness. Right. But that's not, it's all the same thing. Right. Like he, he's talking about worldliness in relation to their desires and their passions. And that he's like, yeah, you would never admit that you're wanting to be the world's friend, but that's exactly what you're doing whenever you try to use me as a tool to be seen as a wise person. Right. So he says, you adulterous people, and it's a bold statement. Mm. In other words, you guys are no better than adulterers. Okay, now these are the same people who have been trying to say that they're better than everybody else. Yeah. And here he is slapping them with the, in the face with this title, yeah. adulterer, which well, is pretty amazing. Yeah, one of the Ten Commandments. Right. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world so he's telling them that their friends of the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you not suppose, or, sorry, or do you suppose that it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? Mm. Wow. So he's basically saying, okay, this goes all the way back to the Ten Commandments, like yeah. you're saying. Whenever he says, for I'm a jealous God, he wants our attention. And anytime we call attention to ourselves, we're stealing from him. Right. And we are in adultery with the world yeah. when we do that. And so that's what he's he's saying here. He's like, do you think that there's no reason why this has been taught? Do you think that there's no reason why this has been spoken of in Scripture before? You know, what do you think this verse means if it doesn't apply to what exactly what you're doing? Right. That's exactly right. But I love this <clears throat> next verse. It's one of... Uh, I'm going to do a sermon. It's called The Great Butts of the Bible. And this is one of the great <laughs> butts. It's like an amazing butt. You'd be like... <laughs> we'll be singing worship beforehand. I yeah. like big butts. We cannot lie. <laughs> well, this is a big butt. And this is exactly what it says. <laughs> but he gives more grace. Man, that is such. I mean, he's he's torn them, torn them, and torn them. Mm. He says, hey, listen, but he gives more grace. It's not the end of the road. That's right. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Mm. So in other words, he's this is his this is his I guess call to repentance. Yeah. If it if, uh, this is the, the climax of the book to me, um, this is his. This is where he lays it out on the line and he gives them their altar call, if you yeah. want to say it. Yeah. Like that, he says, "Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil; he will flee from you. Draw near to God; he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners." Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So, yeah, this is... Man, there's a lot in this passage to um, consume. Mm. So, first off, on on verse 6, I want to I look at that for just a second. Sure. When it talks about giving grace... Um, we mentioned before on the show that James is one of those books that legalists love. That's right. And uh, But they're not listening <laughs> to it. Like, they're missing verses like this. So what he's saying here is he is getting onto them for their actions and their performance and their works and all the things that they're doing wrong. But... He does give more grace. In other words, no matter how messed up you are in this, no matter how much pride you have, no matter how screwed up 
you have made Christianity, it's not the end of the road. God does have grace in light of that. Um, and so, but one of the things that he's asking here is like to turn and realize it because that's whenever you go from being a, a proud person to being a humble person. Yeah. The is not a lie when people say the first step in getting better is admitting that there's a problem. Right. And that's exactly what he's saying in this verse is he's saying, look, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Hmm. So the minute you let go <laughs> of this importance, self-importance that you are obsessed with, it's at that moment that you're going to start seeing change happen. It's at that moment when you're going to feel at rest, when you're going to feel at peace, when you're going to stop arguing naturally. Right. Because what's driving the arguments, the loud conversations, the finger pointing and the wagging of your head and all that, what is driving all of that? The refusal to acknowledge grace. Yes. <laughs> and the refusal to acknowledge something is better than yourself. That's right. Like to not be to be humble. Because to choose to refuse to acknowledge grace is to refuse to acknowledge that you have a problem. Mm -hmm. And so the natural result <clears throat> of acknowledging grace, when you really grasp the grace of God, mm -hmm. and that's why he always points to the grace, the natural result then is to Humbleness. Humble yourself. Yeah. It hits you repent. like a brick. And what do you do? You mourn over your sin. Mm. Right? And that's exactly what he's Which saying. Which is verse 7. Submit yourselves. Right. Therefore to God. That is repentance. Right. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And what is the devil doing? If nothing more, the Stop. devil's doing the same thing that he's done since the beginning of time, mm. which is puffing you up. Lying, right? Lying to you. And lying to you. Stoking the fire. Exactly. Uh-huh. He will flee from you. And then it says, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. How does one cleanse themselves? By acknowledging God's grace. Mm. Because God's grace is the only way that we can be clean. Right. Right? Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And it's interesting that he uses this term, double-minded. This is the second time he's used it in right. the letter. Um, the first time it talks about a hypocrite. He right. says he's double-minded, unstable in all of his ways. Mm -hmm. And here he's basically saying, um, you double-minded. I, I, it's a great compound word that has significant um, implications. So what he's basically saying is, it is completely of two minds to exalt yourself and exalt God. Right. Like you can't have both. Right. But that's what he's saying. You're trying to do. Stop being double-minded in this. You can't exalt yourself and exalt God. You have to exalt God and humble yourself. Yeah. Or you have to exalt yourself and debase God and put God on the back burner, which is actually what's happening when you exalt yourself. Mm. He says, but you've got it in your mind. That you're actually exalting God, but you're really not. And that's why it's so hard to admit the problem. That's why pride is so dangerous, is because it's sneaky. You think you're doing God's will. You think you've got it all together. You think that you are espousing uh, wisdom and God's holy word onto somebody else when, in fact, all you're doing is lifting yourself up. Right. And so that's why he is saying, you know, purify your hearts. How do you purify your hearts? Well, you really can't. He's talking about submitting yourself so that God can. Right. Stop being double-minded. Exalt God and get off the throne. Put, put him where he belongs. Only right. one person fits in that chair. <laughs> and it's not you. Very good. Yeah. Be wretched and <clears throat> mourn. And weep. I mean, this is very, very strong language, mm. but it's exactly the, what happens at conversions. I, I watch, you know, people realize the grace of God, and it makes them mourn and weep, and they're wretched over their sin. When's the last time somebody was just 
When when was the last time I was sincerely wretched over this sin? Mm. Weeping and mourning, crying out. I can remember times in my life where I was just broken. Yeah. You know, and that's that's desperately because times of renewal always happen at that moment mm-hmm. of break, breaking. And it to be honest, it hadn't been that long for me. Mm. <laughs> right. I mean, I've had those moments where you're just you know torn up over your your yourself and where you've been and what you've done. And um you know, I I like this 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 uh, juxtaposition that's happening here. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Why is he saying that? Is he saying Christians aren't happy, that they need to be gloomy? And No, that's not what he's saying at Walk all. Walk around in South sackcloth and ashes. <laughs> right, right. And, and which, oddly enough, people do read that out of this. And then like, they do that. <laughs> they'll, they'll be like, oh, yeah, you can't be laughing and cutting up at church or whatever. I mean, you're supposed to be reverent. And, well, it's you're missing the point. Right. Like what he's saying here is that a lot of this laughter is coming from self-exaltation. Right. And that you're happy because people are lifting you up and making you feel good. And what he's saying is don't accept that. Like don't revel in that. Don't let that be your source of joy because there's greater joy that comes from the fact when you abase yourself and let God, That's right. let his joy fill your hearts, mm. which goes back to the very first of this entire writing, right? Let your suffering be done in joy. Let, let it build joy. Let it build endurance. Be joyful whenever you're afflicted. Amen. Wow. Okay. So, and then it's almost like he, he is backtracking here. Mm-hmm. And he says, do not speak against the... Oh, sorry. Hold on. Humble yourselves before the Lord. He will exalt you. Mm. Right? Yeah. So the idea there is when we're humbled, then we're exalted. Yes. Which is... which It's just not in the same way you, you wanted. Exactly. <laughs> so, okay. And it is a double-edged sword. <coughs> I mean, because it's real easy for people to hear what you say and to applaud you. Right. I mean, speaking from you and I both, mm-hmm. we suffer from this stuff. Yeah. Like we we deal with this with with this pride. Both of us have have this yeah. in us and uh it's a it's a huge struggle. I mean, yeah. it always is. And so, I mean, it's going to be very easy for you guys to write in and be like, "Oh, hey, I love the show," etc. and we go, oh, "Of course you love the show. We're a good guy." I mean, exactly. we know what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a big deal. Yeah, it's like I don't know if you know this, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, but so it's easy for that to happen. Sure, like it's so easy for it to happen, and it can happen in small little doses. And it can just be one little compliment mm. that throws you over the edge, and uh, so it's so hard not to um, hum. It's so hard not to uh, humble yourselves this way. Right. Like it's you. It is work, right? For oh, yeah. for guys like us, definitely. Amen to that. Because you have to constantly remind yourself, I'm not, I'm not what this is about. <laughs> and God constantly humbles you because of that. <laughs> yeah, because especially if you don't show up to the, <laughs> yeah, if you don't show up to that game, I mean, He's gonna like, okay, well, let me show you, right? Because this is the way it's gonna work. This is who you are, and uh, honestly, yeah, wow. It's like, Bam, here it is in your face. <laughs> All right. Uh, do not, this is where he's backtracking, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. <laughs> now, what's he talking about here? Which law is he talking about? Right? Yeah. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Again, which law is he talking about? Is he talking about the Levitical law, or is he talking about the law that he's been? I, I think he's actually um, a, leaning a little bit toward both because he knows where their thoughts are. Okay, and he knows that he's basically going back to the whole James two ten thing, where he where he was like, "Look, no one's innocent. Right? You're you are as guilty against the law as anybody else." And of course, he was referring to Mosaic law. Right. And I think he's he does use that a little bit here. Because he's basically saying, you know, look, if you are, are you going to set yourself up as a judge of the law? 
Because uh, if that's what you're doing, then you're not a doer of the law. You're a judge. Oh, so you're you're important. Right. On, uh, you're special. On the other side, I can see him <laughs> saying, basically what he's saying here is that from the other side. Right. Um, the law of, li- law the of law liberty. Of liberty. Mm-hmm. Because the law of liberty says that who is, uh, who is perfect, everybody's made perfect in Christ yeah. based on the law of liberty. Yeah. So for <laughs> you to for you to speak evil of your brother who's been made perfect by the law of liberty, you're judging that law that's saying that that brother is free and perfect. Right. And you better not be judging that law because that's supposed to be the same law that you're mm. under. Right. Right? Which goes right back to James <laughs> 2 and what, 12, right. where he talks about mercy rejoices against judgment. Right. Yeah. Exactly. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law. In other words, you're not under that law if you're judging it. Yeah, you've set yourself up above it. Exactly. You're in God's place. You're a judge. And then Get he off says, the throne. There's only one lawgiver <laughs> and judge. He who is able to save and destroy. Hmm. Are you able to save and destroy? <laughs> are you the one that says you're free and you're condemned? You, you know what's funny is... You know, I've had these type of conversations with a lot of um, a lot of people before about when you bring up judgment, mm-hmm. and uh, it's really funny to listen to people who are in the middle of all this deny that they're in the middle of all of it <laughs> because they always will. I mean, no one's going to say, "Oh, you're right." I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, <laughs> I've I've totally been judging these people. <laughs> I'm guilty. Yeah. Now, generally what <laughs> happens is it's like, well, I'm not judging them. Like, I can't condemn them personally. Sure. But I'm just saying yeah. that if I was them, I, I would not be I, I wouldn't, comfortable. Yeah, I wouldn't be doing that. With that, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and it's like, okay, so in other words, you're judging them. <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't say that. that no, 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 no. All I'm doing is I'm doing what the word of God tells me right. to do. And it's not my fault that they're not doing it. Oh, wait a minute. Is that not judgment? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, by their fruit. Yeah. Just... <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's like, you know, you... you Nine ways out of ten to try and get around right. the fact that you really are casting some level of judgment sure. on onto them. And it's what it's basically saying is look, you're not the lawgiver. Yeah. Get off the freaking throne. Like <laughs> let God sit where he belongs and get out of his way. Right. And if you will humble yourself, and so yeah, look at that other guy. You might disagree with that other guy. Right. But it's not your job. Exactly. And that's, I mean, that's where he's going to be going. He says, yeah. who are you to judge your neighbor? In other words, are you the lawgiver who who gives life and destroys? Who are you to judge your neighbor? And then he goes, and it seems like he so, totally switches gears, but he doesn't because he's talking, he's trying to, again, point out to them that they're not, the they're not the supreme ruler. Yeah, yeah. Why are they not? Because they're fallible, insignificant wisps of nothing. Right, right. And that's what he's saying here. Come now, you who say today and tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. You know what's funny? Is uh, the legalists. I know. We'll so, read this passage. They miss it they, because they don't look in context. And, uh, and, and, and I've even heard people like get on to me for saying, well, no, 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 no. Tomorrow we're going to do this. Yeah. Well, wait a wait second, a David. Second. Hold on. Yeah. If God wills. Yeah, you really should say, if, if God wills. It's like you're missing the entire point. Of of what he's actually saying here. Oh, hang on a second. <laughs> I was going to say, hey, you might want to shut that off. Okay. Yes, you're missing yeah. the entirety. So, 
Yeah, because what he's he's not saying here is watch your language on how you say things. He's continuing his point that you are not you're not God. important. You have no control over anything. That's right. Stop acting like you've got control <laughs> over this stuff. Exactly. That's what he's saying. Realize who you are. Yeah, he's not he's not at all trying to say, uh, okay, well. You're sinning if you don't use the word if the Lord wills before every prediction or every plan that you have. What he's saying is don't be arrogant in your assumptions. And that's why he says in verse 16, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. (laughs) You're so arrogant. Yes. And all such boasting is evil. (laughs) So... Yeah, I mean it's it's the boasting that is evil, not the wording. Right. It's, like this is not he's not wordsmithing us. It's the it's the acting like you are the supreme ruler who gets to say who is perfect and who is not. That's what that's what his whole point is. You guys are acting yeah. like you have one up on other people and you're able to say you're a follower of Jesus and <clears throat> you're not a follower of Jesus. And and stop and think about this. You know, he's been telling us there from chapter two on, well, even chapter one, he's been saying like, here's how you should utilize your time. Take care of widows and orphans. Take care of the guy on the side of the road who needs food. Care for people. Love people. Be... Be productive mm. in your faith. Mm. Like, that's that's what he's saying in all this. He's like, look, your faith is leading you to want to just serve yourself. Like, that's your whole point in faith right. is to lift yourself up. Stop all that. Stop lying to, to, to lift yourself up. Stop teaching others because you really shouldn't be in mm. your current mindset. Stop um, boasting about things. And he's he's he says here, your life is a mist, a vapor that is just going to. It's here for a, a second, and then it's gone. So why waste that time on yourself? Use that time, yeah, to be of service, to humble yourself, and actually go get into the dirt with somebody and get and and help them to be a kingdom citizen to be an actual follower of Jesus somebody who who washes others feet which is why he says there in verse 17 which I've always heard this referred to as the sin of omission mm. uh whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him it is sin okay it's like everything that you could possibly do good that you don't do is some sort of sin of omission but what he's saying here is again the exact same thing we were just saying you have a short period of time on this earth. There are good things you need to be doing in that time. You need to be utilizing your time. And if you know that that's what you really should be doing, but instead you're spending all your precious short amount of time on yourself and trying to elevate yourself, then it's sinful because you need to be doing other things. And that's why he says here, if you know to do the right thing, but don't do it because you're too busy with yourself, <laughs> then that is sin, yeah. and you don't even realize it. They're sitting around in their church judging other, ju- judging each other on who's perfect and who's not, mm. all the while they're starving people outside their door, and that's what James is trying to get at. It's like, go, stop, stop being arrogant, stop being stupid, stop pretending you're a judge, realize that everybody's equal. And start loving. That's it. Just start yeah. start loving people. This this is such an amazing letter. It is <laughs> it is built with the religious legalist in mind. It really is. It is addressing It's a direct letter to self righteous people. Self righteous people, that's right. And and it is like but what's so ironic is those are the people who love this letter. Right. Like they, and they, this is one of those letters that for sure you need to read it without chapters and verses. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just needs to, that stuff just needs to go away. This isn't, you can't break it down. You have to yeah, quit it. <laughs> like, quit trying to find the legalisms in this letter and instead 
understand that it's trying to tell you to be right. a proponent of grace and service to people yeah. and love instead of being someone who promotes themselves mm. through their supposed righteousness or their religion or their practices or whatever you see makes you right in the eyes of God. Because what really makes you right in the eyes of God is simply God's grace. <laughs> Amen. And Jesus Christ himself. That's right. So, you know, as we come to the end of, of this chapter, it's not going to change any when we get to chapter 5. No, it's going to be the same thing. More of the same thing. And that's his, I mean, because that's his point in the letter. Right. And uh, I'm glad that James wrote it because I think it's a letter that we need to read today over and over again in our churches. Yeah. Get off our high horses and start loving people. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> we're going to see that he brings this thing full circle. He brings it back to suffering. He brings it... I mean, it, it is a beautifully right. written letter. It is not rambling. Nope. It is not random. It is it is a cohesive thought. Right. That needs to be read in its entirety and in context. Amen. Context is so important mm. with this book. That's right. And you know, people who like like even Martin Luther who struggled with this book, all he had to do is really look at the context. Yep. And because see what, it was saying. what was funny is it is addressing the same people that Martin Luther was opposed to. That's right. It really was. Martin Luther should have been embracing this letter. <laughs> Proponent to it. Yes. I wish he would have, you know, really studied it and written a commentary on it. <laughs> been awesome. Yeah. All right, man, do you have some news for us? I do. And now, the news. All right. This Christmas, Willow Creek Church is sending Christmas gifts to every inmate in the state of Illinois. Wow. That's pretty cool. This Every year, inmate, huh? That's right. This year, Willow Creek Community Church's founder, Bill Hybels, announced that the church volunteers will be ensuring that every single inmate in Illinois will be receiving a special Christmas gift bag this year. It's part of Bill Hybels' new found burden for incarcerated people. This is what he says. I follow God's son, Jesus Christ, who was blindingly clear about how I should engage with prisoners. He told the church, if I had passed away at 55, despite all the clear training and additionally became uh, because I'm a pastor, I would have had to explain to God that I didn't pray for prisoners, that I had never visited one. I had never lifted a finger to help prisoners in any way. Hybels was joined by Brian Stevenson, founder of Equal Justice Initiative and author of Just Mercy, who's been a national leader on justice systems reform, particularly as it relates to the racial inequality in the prison system. God is calling broken people here to stand with him to do justice, Stevenson said. In the church, we come because we're broken. We confess that there's power um, in that, and we have to share that with a world that has gone astray. Willow Creek isn't stopping at gift bags. The church sends volunteers to local prisons every week to host Bible studies and visit inmates. An inmate who goes to Paris said, those bags are phenomenal. It gives us a sense of love, of joy. We get a sense that somebody out there that loves us, that did, does, doesn't even know us, that love is very strong and profound. Hey, it kind of wow. sounds exactly about what we've been talking about. Huh? I know, go figure. Yeah, loving the least of these. And people don't realize that, you know, yeah, these 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 prisoners have, have messed up and, you know, they've got a history that they're dealing with, but at the same time they are human. Yeah. They they are subject to the grace of God mm. and uh it's so easy to overlook them. And I think that I think that's a great thing. Right. Amen. All right, how about this? The four Christmas myths we've all totally bought into and the truth behind them. <laughs> all right, we've done this before, but here we go. The first one, December 25th, used to be a pagan holiday. The reality is, uh, according to Berkeley Divinity School's Andrew McGowan at Yale, there's really no record of a pagan holiday on or around December 25th. In all likelihood, choosing December 25th as the date of Christ's birth was a bit of an educated guess. Uh, Tertullian of Carthage estimated that Jesus was crucified on March 25th, and Christian tradition held that he died on the same day he was born. Right. The Feast of Annunciation, uh, and exactly nine months after March 25th, December 25th. Yeah. 
So there you go. That's the reason why we celebrate. It's not, you know, yep, some pagan exactly. gods. Man, that two Babylon's book changed the whole, I mean, that Alexander Hislop book <laughs> back in the 1800s. It just completely got everyone spun up about Christmas being pagan. And, it did. I mean, I'm not, you know, we've we've done theonauts over this. Um, there's there are pagan things that have seeped its way into every aspect of our lives, and Christmas is is right. a big chunk of that. But still, you know, let's not let the uh, let's not let's not throw the baby out with a bathwater. I mean, if we're very Literally. serious about that, we would stop calling Monday Monday, Tuesday Tuesday, Wednesday Exa- Wednesday, yeah. <laughs> or January February, March. because those are all named after pagan gods, by the way. Exactly. Or the fact that we wear wedding rings—that's a pagan tradition. <laughs> Did your bride wear white on her wedding day? That's a pagan tradition. Yeah. You know, what about the veil? <laughs> Weddings are crazy. Like weddings are full of paganism. Yeah. Ceremonies. People don't even give it a second thought. Nope. All right, second one. Xmas is not taking Christ out of Christmas. <laughs> X is, people have said that X is a weapon used by secularists <laughs> in their unending war on Christmas. Actually, no. X is, is the Kai. Is the Kai, and yeah. its symbol is for Christ. It's right. the Greek <laughs> symbol for Christ. So when somebody says Xmas, they're just shortening Christmas, Christmas. Yeah. The Kai. So, so it's not really an X, by the way. It is a Greek letter. Right. The Greek letter Kai is the first letter in the word Christ in Greek. Yeah. So that's where it comes from. Yeah. All right, the third one, three kings did not come to visit Jesus on the night he was born. Uh, he was most likely under two years old, but it was definitely... Uh, he had been around for a while. He was in a house. He was in a house. He wasn't in the manger. Exactly. He, he, he'd he grown up a little bit. He probably could walk by this point, maybe mm. babble some words. And there was so, probably not three of them. No. There, we only say there Just were three because, because, they because had of the three gifts. gifts. That's yeah. right. All right. Jesus was not born in a stable because there was no room in the inn. Uh, the word inn is kataluma. Which could mean either innkeeping house, like a room that the upper room was right. the same kind of right. Inn. A rent, you rent it out, whatever. It was a rented out room, but it's also a spare room that was used in the family house. And knowing that Joseph's family was from Bethlehem, Bethlehem. we can assume that he went back to the family house, and there was no room at the family house, and so. They put him in the stable, but the uh, they put him in. You know, the reason we it's get really a sucky way to treat your pregnant. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's right. <laughs> your 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 family's wife, right? Is like, oh, you're you're pregnant. Sorry, we don't have room for that. Now they did. I mean, they did lay Jesus in a manger. There were animals around, but most likely, uh, Jewish tradition they brought their animals in at night. Yeah, uh, to their house, and it was usually in the Bottom big room, so at the bottom of the house, and there was a manger there, mm-hmm. and so that's probably where Jesus was born. Yeah, right, the bottom of his big his family's house. So, anyway, some uh, some Christmas fodder for you to search through. Anyways, all right, let's see. All right, so this is the one that that's very interesting this week. Ravi Zacharias responds oh, yeah. to the sexting stand, uh, scandal. Famed apologist Ravi Zacharias has spent the past few weeks embroiled in a complex scandal in which he has had to defend himself from both accusations of inappropriate online contact with a woman and questions about the authenticity of his credentials. On Sunday, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries released its first official statement addressing the situation. You can read the whole thing at Christianity Today. The primary accusation involves a lawsuit regarding a woman who emailed Zacharias nude photos. Zacharias said he had maintained a friendly online correspondence with the woman over a number of months and that he attempted to end the relationship when her language became first romantic, then sexually explicit, including what uh, Zacharias called unwanted, offensive, sexually explicit language and photographs. I have learned a difficult and painful lesson through the ordeal, Zacharias said in the statement. I failed to exercise wise caution to protect myself from even the appearance of impropriety. 
And for that, I am profoundly sorry. I have acknowledged this to my Lord, my wife, my children, our ministry board, and my colleagues. The woman Zacharias had been emailing, and her husband sent him a letter through their attorney demanding $5 million in exchange for keeping (laughs) the correspondence a secret. (laughs) That's blackmail. Yeah, they say... (laughs) They say Zacharias encouraged the relationship and chose to exploit her vulnerability to satisfy his own sexual desires. Zacharias says he told his organization's governance committee of the situation immediately. He responded to their letter with a federal lawsuit in which he claimed they were attempting to extort him. Zacharias's lawyers claimed that he and the woman husband were unaware of the correspondence and that the couple corresponded together labeled labored labored relentlessly to foster a relationship with Zacharias in hopes of manipulating him into a compromising position. The lawsuit was settled last month. Terms are unknown. Wow. See, this is part of the reasoning that James writes his letter. Because, I mean, like whenever you become... Breaks my heart. I mean, I love Ravi Zacharias. Me too. I mean, he he is a very well-spoken and uh, just a very qualified apologetic uh, speaker. But uh, at the same time, when you are in the limelight, you become a target. (laughs) And once again, now you've got to defend yourself, not just... I mean, Ravi Zacharias is a sinner. I'm sorry. Yeah. And and he may be guilty of stuff yes, here. Yeah. Maybe. And thing is, are you not? <laughs> Do you not have some things, you know, that you don't want coming out into the limelight? But whenever you are elevated, man, it makes it really hard because then you have to start defending yourselves and, and stay humble. It, yeah. It's it's tough stuff, man. Mm. And if and I think that out of all the people, Ravi is probably a good guy to be able to handle this. Uh, but there's always going to be that guy that can't, right. that he is full of self-pride so much so that he can't take this and he's right. going to lie and going to whatever and manipulate to try and get out of the deal. And <laughs> So I don't know. It It's actually a, a pretty good follow-up. Yeah. To We'll see what happens. Be not many masters, right? That's right. Um, President Trump will officially recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital, and he did today. Despite pushback from several world leaders, Trump has often promised to move the U.S. embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, and this seems to be a step in that direction. Vice President uh, Pence reaffirmed the Trump administration's commitment to moving the U.S. embassy, so this is just one step towards recognizing Jerusalem, but this is going to cause a lot of backlash and a lot of fighting, I imagine, um, between these uh, these Palestinian That's right. groups. Oh. All right, so have you heard about the uh, the Supreme Court's ruling with the Christian Baker atheist figure? Yeah, well, how did that how did that all iron out? They're they're still working on it, but at the Supreme Court on Tuesday. The justices lobbed hypothetical after hypothetical at the lawyers representing each side of the Masterpiece Cake Shop, Colorado Civil Rights Commission, a free speech and religious rights case, and one of the most publicized of the year. No one on either side of the dispute doubts that Colorado Baker Jake Phillips' Christian convictions drove his 2012 decision to refuse custom bake a wedding cake for Charlie Craig and David Mullins. Phillips was uh, Phillips will sell gay people cupcakes, brownies, and birthday cakes, but because he believes gay marriage is a sin, he won't bake a cake for their weddings. The Colorado Civil Rights Commission called that stance discrimination, and the Colorado Court of Appeals agreed. He is hoping the Supreme Court will give a different answer. It's hard to believe, Phillips said, tearing up outside the court after his case had been heard, that the government wants him to choose between his business and violating his relationship with God. Okay, so what do you think? Well, um, I think there are several different aspects of this, but one of them to me is just a basic a basic misunderstanding of what rights really are. Um, if this was a government, I'm gonna, okay, putting Christianity aside, 
Just okay. looking at it from a straight legal standpoint, constitutional standpoint, um, without you know faith being something that is helping make the decision. Uh-huh. From a constitutional standpoint, if the government was running this bakery, there'd be a strong argument there because the government's not supposed to promote a specific religious belief into whatever. But because this is a private, a, a, a private um, corporation. Establishment, yeah. Right. This is an, the proprietor owns this. Yep. And this has nothing to do with the Constitution. That's right. Like this is his, him selling goods and services to people. And from a legal standpoint, he has the right to sell to whoever he wants to That's sell right. to. If he doesn't want to sell to a certain person, I mean, even if that, even if the reasoning is completely wrong, yep. as a citizen of the United States, he has the right to choose yep. who he's going to serve. If you don't like that, then go spend him. millions of dollars with somebody else. Right. That's the way. That is the way the free market society See, okay. works. Yeah. So I'm. That's the whole point of it. I'm a libertarian, and as such, I believe this: if it's if it's not physically harming anybody, mm. the government should not step in here. Right. At all. This right. is his private business. He's not physically harming anybody. Yeah. He's standing now. Here, here's it's, my personal it's, belief. It's his right not to sell. Exactly. And it's your right not to buy. Now, people, I've been reading stuff all online all day, and this is my my stance on. This is what I've been thinking. Mm-hmm. People have gone well, but hold on for a second. It's okay to say that discrimination based on race is wrong, but it's not okay to say discrimination based on gender or sexual identity is wrong. My answer is no, discrimination's wrong, period. Mm-hmm. But the difference is this. The discrimination on race, the civil rights movement, was based off of government having corrupt laws to begin with, the Jim Crow laws. Yeah. That's where the Supreme Court had issue, and that's where they had to step in. The Jim Crow laws stopped black Americans from entering school systems, from entering establishments, from drinking from fountains, and from riding on the front of buses. Right. They were unconstitutional laws to begin with. Right. And therefore, the government needed to step in and change those laws. But if there hadn't have been Jim Crow laws right. and a and a man said I'm not serving black people at this establishment, mm-hmm. I personally believe he has every right to do so. But I also believe that you as a as a discerning consumer have the right to boycott his establishment, exactly. to send out pamphlets saying boycott this man's establishment and run his business into right. the ground. It's not the government's job. It's not. It's to, you, the people. To determine uh, what is what is being um, uh, discriminated against. Right. Like that is not the government's job is to, I mean, is to police private entities exactly in their discrimination right it's not what they, the, if the way that uh, corporate entities work is that if enough people disagree with the corporate standing on this you drive that company out of business that's what you do <laughs> like if like you get enough people together that says we're not going to buy from that guy right. because we disagree with his personal stance that's the way you take care of this problem. That's what we call consumerism in America, and that's what we run off of. And I'm sorry, but yeah. being a libertarian, I, I have to take that stance. Uh, on the same side, on the other side, me being a Christian, would I <laughs> bake the wedding cake for a gay couple? Uh, why am I holding a gay couple to a biblical standard they don't hold? <laughs> right. Yeah, I'll bake them a wedding cake. Give me money. I, I don't care. I'm going to tell them in love they're wrong. Yeah. But I'm going to bake them a cake in love. What, yeah. Whatever. I don't. What if, What if you know that that uh, that this that a guy is living with a girl out of wedlock and he wants a birthday cake? Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> You're living with a woman. Yeah. I mean, where do you start drawing the line? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. 
<laughs> yeah, and to me, these are totally, totally different arguments whenever you look at it from a Christian, like, morality standpoint versus a legal... Legalistic. Like, a legal standpoint. There's, right. there's a difference. Yeah. So, constitutional standpoint or whatever. All right. Off our soapboxes and uh, back to reality. <laughs> That's all I got in the news. That's it, man. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, let's go ahead and get out of here. Sounds good. It's been good. a long day. It has. <laughs> The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com. Subscribe to the newsletter and stay up to date with all our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema and The Secret Fire Podcast. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. Be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. And there are several ways you can contact us. Leave us feedback. Send us email to, G- to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us. We haven't gotten a call in a long time. Yeah. So you guys pick up the phone, call us on our voicemail line, which is 972-885-7270. Tweet to us on Twitter uh, using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theonauts. If you like us and want more more Theonauts, I wanted to say it like Jesse, Theonauts. Theonauts. Uh, Drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. I got to give a shout out to Karen, patron St. Karen, just upped her patronage. You're awesome, Karen. Thank Thank you you. so much for that. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. And don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, David. God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. GCTnetwork.com. This is your great commission transmission. Dan, what is your deal? If anybody doesn't know, Dan is the worst.